Hey, ODs on Finance community. This is Dr. Aaron Neufeld. I'm the co-founder and host of this video and podcast series. Today, we're going to be talking about owner-occupied real estate. I'm going to break this video into three different parts. First, I'm going to go over the basics of owner-occupied real estate. I'm going to talk about pros and cons and how to approach it. Next, I'm going to talk about my personal experience with owner-occupied real estate and how I bought the building that my practice resides in. And then the third part is going to be an interview with Dr. Adam Bryan. And Dr. Bryan's got a little bit of a different story than me. He actually purchased a parcel of land and built the building that his practice now resides in on that parcel. So he's going to give us some good insights on that. A couple quick announcements before we get started. First thing, our book, The Optometrist's Guide to Financial Freedom, is set to release on November 1st. It's available in three forms, paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to send out announcements periodically. Next, we have partnered with Ernest to give you the best refi rates. The link is available in the announcements section of the Facebook group, so check that out if you're looking to refi. Also, we are working with SoFi to also get a partner link with them, so be on the lookout for that. And finally, make sure to check out odsonfinance.com. Take a look at the articles and the past videos we posted. Also, follow us on Instagram at odsonfinance. Okay, so first of all, what does owner-occupied real estate means? Well, basically, it just means that you have bought the building or the land that your practice resides on, as simple as that. And so there's pros and cons to owner-occupied real estate. Most practice owners would say, hey, this is beneficial over the long run. So let's start with the pros. All right, so pro number one is the opportunity to build equity. And so by buying a building, you can provide your company with an investment that allows you to build up equity over time. And as you pay off that mortgage, or if you bought it with cash, the property appreciates in value. And this equity can eventually be used as collateral for leverage if you do decide to expand your business. Number two is that you have a fixed mortgage payment. The financing associated with your property typically remains fixed. When taking out a long-term loan, assuming it is a fixed rate loan, your debt service payments will remain fixed and never increase during that loan period. And furthermore, there is a notable advantage to putting your money into paying off a mortgage. Rather than a monthly rent that you're saddled with, you slowly gain equity and rather than just giving that money to a landlord. And pro number three are tax benefits. So if you do decide to purchase a property, you can depreciate your building over the lifetime of the asset. This can save you a lot of money when calculating taxes on earnings. The cost of owning a commercial space can offer you additional tax deductions, and often these are in the form of mortgage interest, property taxes, and other accounting line items. And additionally, if you are a nonprofit, you can achieve additional tax benefits by purchasing property rather than leasing. And pro number four revolves around the potential that your property has. It can generate additional income and accommodate growth. So the most obvious and beneficial aspect of owning a property is that you can lease some of your property to other tenants to generate additional monthly income and also cash flow for your business. And this is also a good way to allow for future growth. So say example, you've got a a property that's about 50,000 square feet and you want to grow an additional 50,000 square feet in a certain period of time. You can purchase a 100,000 square foot property and build out the initial 50,000 and then over time you can build more. And pro number five is improvements that you make to the property add value to your bottom line. So unlike with leasing, any renovations that you make to your space 
are only going to add value to your space because it's your space. As you're more likely to remain at the property for an extended period of time, you don't have to recreate these improvements like you would if you had a lease and you had to move from location to location. So that's a huge money saver when you look at a long-term picture of your real estate and your practice. Another thing to factor into that is any additional capital improvements that you make on the property are also going to add into your property's overall value. Your next step after negotiating the terms on your building, you want to structure an entity to hold your building. And so there's either limited entities or unlimited. And so unlimited would be a partnership. Wouldn't advise that just because of the liability behind that. LLCs and corporations are the best way to go and what most people end up doing, but that is something that you need to consider. And with an LLC or a corporation, you can actually own the building in that corporation or LLC and then rent the building to your practice, which is in a separate business. All right, so the last thing you want to do in purchasing a building is get the loan if you're not using cash to purchase your property or building. And there's four stipulations that banks normally want to look for when you're trying to get a loan. So first stipulation is loan to value ratio that does not exceed 80%. The second one is a debt service coverage ratio of at least 1.2 times. And the third one is a history of the business's profitable operating performance, which is something that you show if you're already occupying the building with your previous P&L statements. And finally is a business's stable and recurring cash flow, which once again, is shown through different tax forms. So that's a basic overview of owner-occupied real estate, just to give you a primer on the topic. Next, what we're gonna do is be talking with Dr. Adam Bryan about his experience with owner-occupied real estate. Before we jump into that, I wanted to share just a little bit about my experience with it. I purchased the building that my practice was in about a month ago, and the whole process took about two to three months, and we basically went through that four-step process that I just talked about. We first negotiated different terms, different agreements. We negotiated the price, obviously. And then I reached out to the banks. I ended up going with an SBA loan. SBA was great. It enabled me to put 10% down only and get pretty good financing for the building over a 20-year period. The one downside to SBA loans is there was an SBA fee with the loan that was pretty sizable. Additionally, there was a bunch of bank fees that revolved around environmental inspections and different building inspections, which cost a few thousand dollars. So money you can't really get back, but at the same time, it's just something that you got to do. There are three main reasons why I decided to purchase the building that our practice is in when the opportunity was presented to me. The first reason was just to get away from the crazy rents that we were experiencing around this area. There's no rent control in Los Altos where my practice is. We've had businesses that have gone out of business because their rent has been doubled or tripled after the lease is up. And so when I saw the opportunity to buy, I realized that that was the way to go. The second reason we bought was because of tax implications that I mentioned previously. A lot of tax advantages to owning your building. And the third reason I bought the building was a kind of a two-pronged approach to longevity. The first thing was we've been here for since 1969. We wanted to stay here. So when it went up for sale, wanted to jump on it, wanted to stay in this location where all our patients know where we are. It's a great location. It's got everything we need. I mean, we've been here so long that everything is kind of oriented to fit our needs. And the second reason stemming off of that is for future retirement. 
this area has seen mass appreciation, and we don't expect that to change. I mean, it might slow down, but still, this building will appreciate. And in the future, there's three different options that I can possibly do with this building. The first option is I can sell the practice, continually rent out the building, have a solid monthly cash flow from that rent. The other thing I can do is sell the building after it depreciates over a period of time when I'm done with optometry and want to move out of this place. And then the third option, which is something that also is of consideration, is to redevelop this land. A lot of these office buildings around me have sold and redeveloped into condos since the Bay Area is so saturated and needs more living space. And that means top dollar for redevelopment of either a condo or some sort of residential building in place of where the building is now. That's enough about me talking about my experiences with owner-occupied real estate. Let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Dr. Adam Bryan and see what he has to say regarding his experiences with owner-occupied real estate. All right. Yeah, so if you just give me a quick overview of your practice, uh, when you first started, where you're located, uh, how many staff members you have, different things like that. Yeah, sure. Um, so our practice is called Carolina Family Vision. We're in Holly Springs, North Carolina, which is a, a suburb of Raleigh, uh, a couple hours from the beach, a couple hours from the mountains. And we started um, in 2009. Actually, uh, October 14th will be our 10-year anniversary, so we're pretty excited yeah. about that. Thank you. Uh, my wife and I started it together. She and I both graduated uh, SEO in 2005 and uh, worked for a few other places for a few years while mm -hmm. we got this ready to go and opened in 2009 and um, moved into our current space in December of 2015. So we're coming up on, or 14, excuse me, so we're coming up on five years in our um, the building that we built. Okay, great, great. And how big is your practice? How many patients are you seeing? Uh, revenue, so, yeah, so, whatever you want to say about it. Yeah. Sure, no, that's fine. Um, so we have, so the whole time we've worked here, um, the two of us have alternated days work seeing patients. So we are basically one full-time equivalent between the two of us. And then for the last year and a half, almost two years, we've had an associate who has worked between one and three or four days a week. Right now, she's been pretty consistent on three days a week. Uh, we probably see between the, uh, each person probably mm -hmm. sees somewhere between 18 and 24 comprehensive visits per day with uh, various medical follow-ups and problem-based visits and contact lens follow-ups sprinkled throughout the day. So we get, you know, multiply that by about um, five for the two of us and then by three for her. So, you know, whatever that number works out to be, somewhere yeah. probably in the 150 exam per uh, week range. Okay. And we have uh, somewhere around 11 full-time employees, I believe, three opticians, three front desk, four techs, and mm -hmm. office manager. Okay. Good size then, yeah. Yeah. And what made you decide to move into your building and to, to build out and to create that space? So, yeah, so we've, you know, in addition to always wanting to kind of own our own space, as far as practice rather, mm -hmm. um, we've always kind of looked at the real estate side of it as something that uh, really intrigued us and something that 
we could potentially use for you know not only growth for the practice but for long-term financial stability and we're in a little I don't know a year later when mm -hmm. that was right when the you know economy started crashing in 2007 and 8 and, mm -hmm. and there were various out parcels available at the beginning lots of them you know probably eight to ten of them and then slowly started getting bought up and bought up and bought up back whenever uh, things started moving again in the early teens sure yeah um so uh so we were deciding we had you know mm -hmm. we had the idea of paying a lot of rent for a long foreseeable future or you know there was one lot that was smaller than all the other lots it was right at a half an acre and it because of the way it's situated it wasn't going to require a parking lot and it was less than half the price of the other full acre lots and so um you know this was probably in 2013 mm -hmm. late 2012 early 2013 when we started the process because as you can imagine between the bank and buying the land and drawings and all that stuff it takes a long long time and then construction takes a long time so you got to get really situated early and we just decided that we could you know as long as the banks were nice to us we were going to be able to afford to get the project started so we just decided to kind of go for it yeah. and um, it, it kind of ended up working out yeah and how do you finance the project uh, and any pitfalls or any obstacles you ran into during that process well yeah obviously everybody that is has ever tried to borrow money from a bank is it's not always the easiest thing in the world to mm -hmm. do especially um, for anything other than your personal residence you know they seem to want to throw money at you for that but for everything else you got to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop so we we could not afford to just use one of the local regional banks that we were doing business with they wanted somewhere between 20 and 30 percent down mm -hmm. on the project and when you start to get into the seven figure range that's that's a lot of money that's to, tough, yeah. to just come up with and usually your money comes first so mm -hmm. you don't you know they don't give you a dime until you've already put your whole down payment in and so we got with the bankers people we had already been doing business with and got mixed got hooked up with the SBA loan um, okay. with the bank so the bank and the SBA kind of tag teamed it um, and that helped a lot it reduced mm -hmm. our down payment to 10% and it fixed the note it, it, it fixed what the bank could charge us for um, the rates mm -hmm. and then it fixed you know it fixed what the SBA was going to charge us and so the 20-year note the banks want it to be shorter. They want mm -hmm. it to adjust up with with interest rates, you know, likely going up. But they fixed it for at least ten years for the bank, and then it could re redo. But it was a twenty year note, so it worked out really well. Um, certainly, you know, the amount of information that you have to give them is mind numbing between yeah. the drawings and the um, estimates that the contractors do and to start. Um, not breaking ground, but really before we we're going to start building anything. And so, because the process of buying the land, it's all you know rolled into one, like a construction loan, not just a land loan or a building loan. It's all into one, and that's a six-month process all by itself. So, the biggest problems came 
with the bank later on when the contractor's prices all magically changed, um, you know, halfway through the project, and then we kept having to go back and ask for more and more and more. So it really started to get a little hairy probably halfway through the construction process. And, and that's, you know, the biggest thing is that not only do you need more money from them, but then they're going to ask more money from you. So for every, if it's 10%, for every $100,000 that the price goes up, that's an extra $10,000 that you've got to, you know, be able to fund. Mm-hmm. And because with construction, you just never know. The prices are always going to be higher. It's always going to take longer. And you just got to have a, a pretty significant uh, war chest kind of sitting there waiting to just be liquidated. Right. And then also, at some point during the construction process, the interest is going to start kicking in. And, you know, 3 to 5% probably interest on, you know, 100 here and 100 there and 100 there up to, you know, eight or $900,000. Those interest payments got pretty steep pretty quick. So it's definitely not for the faint of heart, that, that yeah. is for sure. Yeah, and go through the construction process a little bit. Uh, who did you hire? Did you have an architect? Did you have different designers? And how do you keep the cost down but still get what you wanted out of the building? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the first person, the guy who's the or girl who's the key in this whole thing is the architect, because um, they are going to design the space. You're going to tell them what you want. They're going to come up with all the drawings. They're going to be the ones interacting with the town. And so you need to have all of that before you go and buy the land because the bank isn't just going to give you, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars to buy this piece of land if you don't have a plan for what's going to happen on there. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to have the architect first. And then they hire a lot of the engineers that do the specific drawings. So you don't have to worry about that. But once you get your real drawings, that's when you go and you start doing estimates with contractors and not just regular contractors. They got to be, you know, commercial people who you trust and and who have done buildings in your area that you can look at. We made probably the most cardinal mistake in that we really liked the contractor who built out our initial rental space Mm -hmm. and we trusted him. He did a really good job and we basically, we weren't worried about his competence but we had never really worked with him directly on something, you know, seven figures. And, and so we, didn't, we did ourselves a major disservice by not uh, bidding it out. Mm-hmm. Whether it is up costing us more money, it, you know, that is something we'll never know. But it, it definitely, we didn't do ourselves the due diligence that we should have. So I would absolutely get, have your architect get, you know, three or four bids from, people and have them bid against each other and try to, you know, find a way to, you know, save some money. But you also, it's your, it's going to be your new home for who knows, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And so you want it to be everything that you want it to be and and you're financing it. So, you know, like, well, what's the big deal? But then, you know, paying interest for 20 years on this extra $10,000, you know, it's a balancing act. It certainly is. is. And yeah. And uh, you just have to, you know, you want to, you don't want to be sorry that you didn't, you know, build this extra little space or, or do this extra thing because it's very difficult once it's cemented in and, mm-hmm. and and studded in. You can't do anything about it without, you know, going back to the town and all that. So make it what you want. 
um, but just be sure that you can afford it. Yeah. And we also worked with, uh, we hired Barbara Wright. She's, you know, well-known optometry kind of interior designer. Um, has done lots of really nice, famous, I guess famous uh, eye care offices. And she did a great job designing the inside of ours in combination with her and, and my wife is really good at interior design too. So they worked together and came up with a, a pretty good layout that now mm -hmm. even five years in and probably near double the business that we were doing then um, still have plenty of space. Cool. And that was actually my next question. Now that you've been there for about five years, are there any things that you would have done in terms of building the place yeah, up that you would, anything that you would change? The only thing that we, you know, that you don't think about or that you should get think more about is mm -hmm. storage space because you accumulate all this stuff that, you know, when you're decorating for Christmas or Halloween or Thanksgiving or March Madness or, or whatever you're doing, you've got all this stuff and, you know, you don't really think about putting all these extra closets and storage rooms. Mm -hmm. And so storage space is probably the number one uh, most overlooked aspect uh, of construction. We all, we did have a storage room that got turned into our um, lens um, edging lab. So I mm -hmm. guess we, we grew into that, which is a good thing for sure. Um, but yeah, to the point we have mostly two doctors going at once and, you know, four or five is generally enough for them. So mm -hmm. we've got plenty of that kind of space, but yeah, like storage, I think is probably the only thing that I would try to find a way to get some more of. Yeah. And just kind of a general question, what are three benefits of owning your building? What do you think are the top three? I know if you read articles, there's, you know, 10, 20 different benefits of owning yeah. real estate. Yeah. I, you know, there's there's obviously a lot, and you can, pro and I'm probably gonna uh, roll three or four of them into one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and to, to get 20, you gotta really be very, you know, picky and choosy. But I would say the number one most important thing is that you're using pre-tax business money to pay you rent, which then you turn into paying the mortgage. So you're basically using pre-tax money to build your personal equity mm -hmm. in, in this building. And so I think that's the most important thing because if you're renting at the local mall or, or anywhere else, then that money is just drifting off into space. It's going into the landlord's pocket. And in this case, you're actually using that money to build your own uh, personal financial security and, and wealth down the road. The next one would be for the practice itself is security and stability. You, know, you don't have to worry about the rent increasing. You don't have to worry about you know some smelly restaurant moving into the space next to you. You don't have to worry about moving in five months. And so you've got the security to know that you're going to be in one space for a long period of time. And, and that really helps you, I think, as a practice owner to plan long-term. And the third thing back to kind of the, the finance thing is kind of the double benefit of the appreciation in the building. So certainly, unless, I guess unless you're in the slums or in a, in a rust belt place where everybody's moving out of, the, out of town, mm -hmm. if you're in a good location, then 
commercial real estate appreciates like crazy. Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, the cash flow from the rent. So, you know, once you get the building paid off, or even if your mortgage payment is less than what you're collecting in rent, it's just extra money that you're bringing in on a monthly basis. And and so I think being a, you know, realizing that, plus you also have some pretty good tax benefits with the way the new laws are written. It's it's really a, a no-brainer as far as the financial side. Of it. Mm-hmm. And how much retirement emphasis are you putting on the building? You hear from some ODs where that's basically the retirement is. It's certainly something I factor into my you know, net worth, or, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. But I have no intention of selling this building any time in the foreseeable future. So I don't really worry about how much the building is worth because I plan on just owning it. Mm-hmm. What I really care about is the cash flow from the rent mm-hmm. and, and what that's going to allow my family and I to do, you know, once the building is paid off. So back in, so we refinanced it to get it out of the SBA because the SBA, you know, as, as nice as they are to help, help people like myself out, you know, it's a very expensive loan, and and, and the 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 fees and the interest rates were were significant, and so was the the local banks too. And we were able to refinance it from that twenty year note down to a ten year fixed note with another local bank about two years ago, and so we now have eight years to go on the building. I mean, it it more than doubled the payment, but again, we're getting getting out of debt here and, and so after eight more years then all we get to keep it all you know we have to pay taxes and we have to pay insurance and whatnot maintenance but after that it's it's all cash flow and so that really has given me a target date as far as when I feel like if I didn't want to do this anymore right. if, you know the the sky falls and all the crap that people talk about with eye care happens, then mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Right. I'll just gotta, rent the building out to somebody else and mm-hmm. collect collect rent. And, and so that's every month for the rest of you know the building's life it's right. gonna produce. And so that's what I am looking most forward to, more than just like an actual sale mm-hmm. of the building. And any plans to expand it to bring in people that might rent from you? I know there's certain optometrists that are involved in that where sections of their office are rented out. So we do have, so we built the building Mm -hmm. as a 6,000 square foot, pretty much just a rectangle. Uh, It's about 100 by 60, almost exactly. Mm -hmm. And 1,500 of that uh, is a tenant space. And so we've had that space rented to a physical therapy practice for about four and a half years now. So they actually have to decide by January 1st if they're staying to renew their lease for another five years. And so we occupy the other 4,500 square feet. So yeah, so that's been a tremendous, you know, boost, cash flow, the way, you know, not only with our constructed to where the tenant has to pay their share of the taxes and the insurance, which mm-hmm. side note, I think is kind of like highway robbery, but you know, as a yeah. landlord, I'll, I'll not complain too much. Yeah, so, so it helps commercial. a lot. Yeah. 
and when you do the math, you know, when I did the math over the 20 year, when I thought I was going to have a 20 year note, that just that 1,500 square foot space was going to produce somewhere in the neighborhood of $900,000 in rent over that. You know, like I said, whenever, you know, the total rent that we were going to collect over that 20 year period was somewhere in the neighborhood of $900,000 and with the building only costing maybe, I don't know, it costs about 30% more than that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty strong Definitely, um, yeah. to just have that 1,500 square foot space bring in that much revenue over that 20 year period. And so, you know, it was almost like a no, no brainer to, mm-hmm. to make sure that there was enough space for a tenant. Makes sense, makes sense. And, you know, you've contributed a lot to the group, but you got a lot of good insights. So for the young ODs out there, just kind of a general finance question, what what are some personal philosophies involving finance that you think are important for the, all the other well, I think, out there? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. And I think especially your, your partner that would agree and, and predict that the first thing that I'm going to say is that in my opinion, the fastest way to building personal wealth is erasing all of your debts. Um, I, I don't think that you can really grow like you think you can grow as long as you've got uh, that student loan or the car loan or you know those sorts of things kind of wrapped around your neck, and, and so what we did, you know, we weren't nearly as disciplined as what I wish we would have been, mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning, but it took us about maybe 10 years um, to get the two of our student loans. And it's not like what you guys are stuck with these days, but it wasn't a lot less. You know, mm-hmm. we had about 250 between the two of us, and, you know, in about 10 years, we got it all completely paid. And, and so, you know, certainly that's very important. Putting money away all along the way is very important. And just mm-hmm. kind of just doing it, you know, not getting too bogged down in the details. You know, I know on, our, on your site, there's a lot of, you know, great discussions about specific funds, index funds, dividend producing funds, and mm-hmm. stocks this and stocks that. But for somebody who's 26 or 30 years old, just, just get the money in there. Mm-hmm. Put it in something uh, because it's going to grow, and even if it only grows at eight percent or nine percent, it's better than zero percent when you didn't put any in. So get the debts paid off, start saving, um, have protection for your family, have an emergency fund. You know, I'm, I sound a lot like you know a Dave Ramsey type because I listen to him almost yeah. every day, and I believe advice, huh? things that he says. Certainly, there are probably some things that he says that still apply to people across the board, but all in all, I feel very strongly about getting out of debt and building wealth afterwards. Yeah. And any future plans to invest in more real estate? Are you looking into residential or more commercial? I, or I think that my next, if we do something again, it mm-hmm. will probably be a, an owner-occupied space of a potential for a satellite clinic or sports bit. We've, we've talked a lot about introducing sports vision we don't have enough space in our mm-hmm. practice and thinking about you know getting a more like a warehouse type space that, right. that we can do something like that in so that will probably be our next 
thing if, if we decide to dip our toes in the real estate again. And we will probably buy something that's already built because the construction process is just way too stressful of a, a, of a thing between the contractors and the banks and the town and their rules mm -hmm. and regulations and all that. So it's worth it, but it's tough to get through it. Gotcha. Cool. Well, once again, yeah, I appreciate all the insight that you put into the group and all the comments that you've left. It's, I think it's helped out a lot of individuals. So. Well, I appreciate what you guys have done. It's amazing to think that, you know, I don't know when it started, but I don't, I don't think I was more than maybe a thousand people in whenever I joined the group. And to think that it's, you know, I don't know, four or five, six thousand people now, it's pretty amazing. And, and to see the uh, engagement, it's not just the group that people mm -hmm. join and then leave or never, you know, participate in. They right. actually, you know, lots of comments and, and lots of insight. Yeah, it's a subject that really wasn't too much touched on and figured we might as well bring it to the masses. So. Absolutely, it's important. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it keeps our profession going. So, For sure. All right, well, appreciate it again. I know it's a little late there, so thanks for staying up. No, it's all good, man. I appreciate you uh, including me in this, and anytime you need some help, just let me know. Sounds good. All right, have all a right. good night, and we'll see you, you on the too. group. All right, good night. <laughs>